The Trump COVID diagnosis comes as voting is about to begin in California. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. of reports begin on how COVID data is compiled. I wouldn't say I'm confident down to the last decimal point, but pretty close. Art takes on politics in our weekend preview. So stay with us for Midday Edition coming up next. KPBS On Demand is supported by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air, Restoration and Flood Services. Family owned and operated for three generations, Bill Howe has been serving the plumbing, heating and air and water damage needs of the San Diego area since 1980. With their fleet of trained professionals, Bill Howe has the ability to service all major and minor plumbing and HVAC emergency needs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Bill Howe is committed to providing excellent service to their customers with transparent quotes and attention to detail on every job. Whether you're in need of an HVAC installation, plumbing, or water damage restoration in San Diego, they offer the convenience of scheduling an appointment over the phone, online, or through live chat on their website. Call 1-800-BILL-HOWE or visit billhowe.com. Because we know how. The stunning news that President Trump has tested positive for coronavirus puts an added twist into an already tumultuous election season. And it puts an even sharper focus on how voters can stay safe when casting their ballots. This year, every registered voter in California is about to get a ballot in the mail that they can fill out and return to the registrar in a number of different ways. And in-person voting will still be available at polling places around the county. Joining me to talk about the mechanics of voting in the November election is Michael Vu, San Diego County Registrar of Voters. And Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. Now, I've had a number of people ask me, when are we going to get our ballots? Well, voters should uh, start receiving their ballot in their mailbox starting on October 5th. So we are a short three days away from that time frame. And will the ballots come with the usual voter information guide? Uh, actually, the sample ballot and voter information pamphlets started going out uh, last Thursday. And so those will continue to be mailed out until all of the uh, uh, sample ballot and voter information pamphlets, the local ones, are into the, everyone's hands and into their respective mailbox. Now, we also send out 180,000 voters their sample ballot and voter information pamphlet through email because they signed up to receive their pamphlet electronically. What are the different ways that voters can turn in their mail ballots? Uh, there are a number of, of different ways. Uh, certainly the uh, one that I highly recommend because we are providing a prepaid postage envelope because we have such uh, confidence in the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, this is not our first go around in terms of the total number of people that vote by mail in our county. We're used to voting by mail here. In fact, if we were not having this pandemic, if the governor didn't issue an executive order that every voter would receive a mail ballot, 78% of the electorate would have already received a mail ballot because they are signed up to be a permanent mail ballot voter. And there are thousands of collection boxes out there that the U.S. Postal Service serves each respective day. 
If you don't want to do that, we will have double the number of mail ballot drop-off locations in this upcoming elections, and they will be open four times as long as compared to the March presidential primary election. Uh, that program will start on October 6th. So uh, effectively, on October 5th, they can actually uh, turn it in to any one of our uh, mail ballot drop-off locations. Now, out of those 126 uh, mail ballot drop-off locations, 125 of them are staffed, and then we've got one mail ballot drop-off box uh, that's open 24-7. And then if you don't want to do any of those, starting on uh, October 31st, 235 Super Polls locations will be open, not just for election day, but they'll be actually open on October 31st, November 1st, November 2nd, and then also on November 3rd. And for people who might have concerns, because there have been concerns raised about the integrity of how the Postal Service will deliver the mail-in ballots, uh, voters can actually track their mail-in ballots, can't they? That is correct. I think what voters are hearing from a national level is making them skeptical about the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, let me just counteract that. Uh, you know, We have a very close uh, communication and partnership with the U.S. Postal Service because our, our voters have preferred to vote by mail and they haven't ever done us wrong in the past. I don't expect them to do any different this go around. Um, we have a new service called Where's My Ballot? Uh, you can go to our website at sdvote.com and sign up and subscribe. It's free of charge where you put in your email or your cell phone number and you can get text messages, emails or voice calls or, or all three of them as to the status of your mail ballot as it's traveling to you and into your mailbox. And then after you vote it, as it's traveling back to our office and when we've received it and accepted the ballot. And last but not least, uh, voters can still drop off their mail-in ballot at a polling place on election day. Isn't that right? We will have 235 super polls locations throughout the entire county that a voter can drop off their mail ballot. And they will be open starting on October 31st through November 3rd. I think that's pretty significant. Number one, we won't have, because of this pandemic, at nearly 1,600 neighborhood polling places. And so we, we have created 235 SuperPolls locations, much larger facilities, um, but they will be open for a four-day period as opposed to a one-day period uh, that is normally traditionally what occurs during a statewide major election cycle like we're conducting. And can people still do early in-person voting at the registrar's office? Uh, yes. So the same day as voters should start receiving their mail ballot in their mailbox, we will open our office for what is in-office early voting for individuals who want to come to our office and, and vote. And as you can imagine, uh, we have uh, provided a safe and healthy environment for all of our voters. So voters should now expect that there will be plexiglass. Voters should expect that we'll, there will be social distancing requirements. Make sure you uh, bring your mask and wear your mask as we, all of these will be a requirement as you enter the building. Be ready to uh, wait in a long line if the turnout is high. And I anticipate that it is a presidential election. And so I anticipate we will have a high turnout in this upcoming election. So that's one of the reasons why we're asking all voters, uh, because they're receiving a mail ballot, to vote it um, and return it back through the U.S. Postal Service or any of the other options that we've discussed today. When will the registrar's office begin counting mail-in ballots? We have the ability to start processing ballots as soon as we receive it back from the voter. Before, uh, we could verify the signature off of a mail ballot 
but we would have to hold on to it until the 14th day prior to the election. Well, the legislature and the governor stepped in and passed a new law specifically for this election that allows us to not just signature verify that mail ballot envelope, but also after it's been verified, open it and scan it into our tabulation system. But if most people vote by mail as you're expecting them to and drop off their mail-in ballot before election day, we should have a pretty good idea of results on election day, at least here in California. Isn't that right? Yes, the earlier that we can get uh, the ballots uh, back from voters, the mail ballots back from voters, the sooner we can verify it and uh, open it, them up and get them into our tabulation systems. I've been speaking with Michael Vu, San Diego County Registrar of Voters, someone I'm probably going to be speaking to a great deal in the, in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks so much, Maureen. Listen for more about President Trump's coronavirus diagnosis coming up on the KPBS Roundtable at 1230. The coronavirus case rate measures how many new daily positive tests are happening out of every 100,000 San Diegans. But it also decides if restrictions on businesses are tightened or loosened. So in a series of stories, KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento traces back where that data comes from. President Kennedy's plane has just arrived. President John F. Kennedy visited San Diego just five months before his 1963 assassination. Getting out on El Cajon Boulevard. A photograph captures his motorcade passing by the 24-hour Rudford's restaurant. The community staple has welcomed diners at all hours since that day. But that streak ended in March. Governor Gavin Newsom closed all on-site dining to curb the spread of coronavirus. Well, beginning on March 16th, we let go of 40 people. That was hard to do. Rudford's owner, Jeff Kasha, was forced to only offer takeout. Kasha has since been stuck in a cycle of reopenings and threatened closings based on the up and down of local coronavirus cases. Put in dividers, we have masks, we have gloves, everything's sanitized. Across California, activities like dining in a restaurant or practicing your faith are controlled by coronavirus numbers. KPBS examined the data that's driving decisions in San Diego and found it's riddled with complaints complexities and caveats. I wouldn't say I'm confident down to the last decimal point. Dr. Bill Schaffner is the medical director of the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases. He says these systems can be imperfect. But pretty close and close enough to make reasonable decisions and to assess trends over time. And that system sort of begins with snot. You're going to go about to the mid-level of your nose. Nurse Darcy LeRae walks me through how to shove a swab up my nostril. And you're going to rotate it several times around the wall of your nose. Lab machines will examine the secretion for the SARS-CoV-2 virus. That's what causes COVID-19. Take it out and then up the other side. My results were negative, but thousands of snot-covered swabs from the noses of San Diegans are transported daily to labs. At Helix Lab, in La Jolla, the hours-long process to get test results begins with a robot named Boots. Boatees, Boatees. Actually, he thinks he's Boatees. That double O gives him problems. But the results he and his machine friends uncover are relayed back to local and state decision makers through a complex and sometimes overlapping reporting network. And it gets a bit wonky, so stick with me. Helix only handles local swabs collected at county testing sites. So Vice President Mark Laurent says they share results with San Diego officials twice. One way is we actually send it back to 
the operations team that's going to uh, contact the patient. And then to the team that tracks the data that controls reopenings that's sent by fax. It's ancient, but it's also one of the most uh, safe way to pass uh, HIPAA information. And they send it to a state team in Sacramento. But some commercial labs report only to the state, which automatically passes San Diego results on to the county. And labs report to the healthcare providers that sent them the test so they can tell the patients. Providers also report confirmed cases to the county. The county declined an interview, but said its staff reviews daily results for any duplicates, but some do slip through. Still, San Diego and Sacramento don't always agree on the numbers that may trigger closings. Their calculations didn't match for a bit. Thousands of results were lost in a statewide glitch. And most recently, elected county officials, including Supervisor Greg Cox, wanted the state to ignore positives among San Diego State University students. We have prepared a letter that I'm uh, signing this afternoon to the governor asking them to seriously consider discounting or, or not including the, the approximately 700 cases that we have right now from uh, SDSU uh, students. The governor disagreed. You can't isolate uh, as if it's on an island, a campus community that is part of the larger community. So the answer is no. That looming closure was avoided because the case rate, even with SDSU positives, was below a state threshold. But the back and forth has left Rudford's owner, Kasha, on edge. We've, we're into our savings. We've overspent. We've made no profit. He worries he can't survive another closure, but the case rate is only announced on Tuesdays, so businesses wait every week to learn if the data is going in the wrong direction. And this past week, San Diego again narrowly avoided a case rate the governor considers too high. Taryn Mento, KPBS News. You can look at all 13 data points using the KPBS Trigger Tracker at kpbs.org. KPBS On Demand is supported by Sally Ride Science, presenting Women in Leadership, featuring panelists Ina Garten, Michelle Hanabusa, and Margot Lee Shetterly, sharing their stories and discussing ways women can lead a better future. May 23rd on campus. Tickets at sallyridescience.edu. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. Can't get your mind off politics, but still want to take in some art and culture this weekend? Well, fortunately, we have some election and voting-themed art in town, much of it on display outdoors. From a powerful dance film series to a woman-designed outdoor poster exhibition to Facebook artists in residence... Yes, there is such a thing. Chances are you'll find something to inspire you in between checking the news. Joining me is KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans with the details. And welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the Get Out the Vote poster art series. Tell us about this special exhibition. Yeah, it's something that's been on display since around mid-September. So there's a chance you unwittingly drove or walked past these works. They're all contemporary, non-partisan poster designs by women artists across the country. The idea is to celebrate the anniversary of the women's right to vote. But um, many of these posters take a look at broader issues of voting rights. They're on display outside of four different museum and gallery locations across the region that are all part of the new Gather Collective. There's the Downtown Museum of Contemporary Art, and there's also outside of Bread and Salt in Barrio Logan, displayed on the exterior walls along Julian Avenue, and then at San Diego State's Art Gallery. 
And finally at Art Produce in North Park, this was probably my favorite of the installations because they have so many of them displayed in the windows right there on University Avenue. And Art Produce is also going to be a polling place in the election. Okay, so Get Out the Vote poster campaign will be on view through Election Day. It's free and viewable from the sidewalks. And in mural news, we have an unlikely source from some temporary public art. What has the Facebook Artist-in-Residency program brought to town? Well, corporate art programs are nothing new, but I was surprised to find out that not only does Facebook have an Artist-in-Residency program, but that it's been around for a few years and it's super active. And this project called Voting is Voice um, commissioned emerging artists from across the country to do some temporary mural hangings in 10 select cities, one of which is San Diego. And there's five murals around the downtown area, and they're the same across all of the 10 cities. And you can find the exact addresses for the Facebook Artist-in-Residency Voting is Voice murals on our website, that's kpbs.org. Now, finally, a local dance nonprofit has commissioned a series of powerful short dance films to empower the vote. Tell us about Disco Riot's Move American Project. Yeah, so these are a total of nine short films of original new choreography, all surrounding issues of voting rights in America. And Disco Riot pulled together cross-disciplinary artists, musicians, filmmakers, mostly locals, to really get these stories told well. And a lot of the choreographers are pulling from their own experiences and histories as people of color participating in politics and in art. And they've been dosing out these films weekly since mid-September. So right now you can find four films online so far, plus resources about each of the topics. There's films about voting as immigrant families on the border, awareness of black women in America, parallels to the oppression happening in the Philippines and voter suppression. Like in one film, By Any Means Necessary, by dancer and choreographer Darian Lohman and performed by him and Simon Greenberg. It's a beautiful duet filmed at this really desolate backdrop of the Salton Sea. And it features an amazing custom metalwork ballot box with some powerful spoken word, plus music by Geminelle and Charlotte Douglas. Let's have a listen to that. you don't want to wait to watch these throughout the rest of the month they're doing screenings saturday night at art produce in north park in the outdoor garden area you can reserve a time spot for a half hour of viewing you can find a new move american dance film online every monday through election day or you can watch them all saturday night between 6 30 and 9 p.m in the art produce gallery garden For more arts events or to sign up for the weekly KPBS Arts Newsletter, go to kpbs.org slash arts. And I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor and Producer Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thank you so much. 
Thank you. Have a good weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.